Welcome to Abide's Sleep Meditations. I'm Tyler Boss. Today's meditation is brought to you by our partners at Life Audio and sponsored by Health, Hope, and Inspiration, a podcast hosted by Reverend Percy McRae, created by City of Hope, designed to help answer questions about cancer and overall healthy living. For free cancer-fighting recipes, visit hhipodcast.com. Remember, you can have access to our full meditations commercial-free. Just text ABIDE to 22433 for 25% off. Now, relax your mind and body as we hear tonight's sleep story. Hi there, and welcome to this ABIDE sleep meditation. My name is Darby. And I want to take you on one of my favorite walks. It's in the city of Vienna, Austria, or Wien, as the locals would call it in German. When I think about Vienna, I'm reminded of a verse in Psalms 107. Verse 9 says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. The writer, who may have been King David, said this about God, and it's true. As you'll find out while we're on this walk, lots that we'll see and do will remind us of this verse. Vienna is a city I spent a lot of time in when I was younger, but it's a city I can still find my way around easily. As much as things have changed since my last trip there, and things have changed, so much has stayed the same throughout the last couple centuries, since Mozart and Beethoven wrote and conducted music there. And, in some cases, much longer. I'll tell you about it, but first we need to take care of a little bit of business. If you're ready, turn off the lights, close your eyes, and calm your mind. I want you to get comfortable. Settle back or whatever you need to do to fall asleep. Put your head on your pillow and take a couple of deep breaths with me. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for one two, three, then release it. One, two, three. Do that again. Take a deep breath in and hold it for one, two, three, then release it. One, two, three. There you go. That oxygen feels good and it will help relax you. Take a couple more breaths and focus on your breathing. Feel the air go into your lungs and feel your body relax as you let it out. Take a deep breath in and hold it for one, two, three, then release it. One, two, three. Do that again. Take a deep breath in and hold it for one, two, three, then release it. One, two, three. All right. That feels good. 
Let me just say a word of prayer, and we will go for our walk. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a great God, a loving God, and a God who desires the best for us. I thank you that I can take my friend with me as I walk through a city I love. Be with my friend. Give them peace and comfort and a deep, restful sleep. Let them set aside the worries of the day and prepare them for the day ahead. Lord, be glorified by all the things we say and do and be glorified in the beauty of your creation. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Are you ready to join me for a walk in my favorite city in the world? All right, let's go. When you fly into Vienna, you are greeted by a huge sign that says, Vienna waits for you. A famous pop star used those words in a song back in the 1970s. And I don't know if they took the words from the song or if he wrote the song after seeing this sign. It doesn't matter. Vienna truly is waiting for us. It's a city that has a lot to offer artistically, culturally, and historically. I can't wait to show it to you. But I have to tell you, on this trip, we're not starting at the airport. We were just spending some time in a part of Austria called Tirol, and we are taking the train into the city. Vienna is in northeastern Austria, not that far from the Slovakian border. So you almost always arrive from the west, through a beautiful area called the Wienerwald, or Vienna Woods. We arrive at the Westbahnhof, the train station, which has been modernized since the last time I was here. It probably needed it. The place was originally built in 1858. Now, there's something about European train stations that brings me a certain nostalgia. The first thing you notice is the smell. It's the smell of diesel fuel. All the stations, and even the trains themselves, give off that same aroma. Now, if I'm back home in the United States and a diesel truck passes me, I am immediately transported to Austria in my mind. And since I love this country, that doesn't bother me in the least. Now, the first thing you notice about the Westbahnhof, besides how clean the cavernous main hall is, is the amount of light. Train stations aren't usually so bright, but this one is. It's inviting. It creates a good first impression, one that the city always lives up to, in my opinion. There are shops throughout the terminal, and even a large modern structure called Motel One. 
A quick search on my smartphone shows me that the rooms are ultra-modern and stylish. It's a far cry from the hostels young people stay in, where the bathrooms are down the hall and the showers are on another floor. This is the place a modern traveler would lay his or her head. But I don't want to hang around looking at a hotel I don't want to stay in. Let's get a look at this city. We go out the front door, past the statue of Empress Elizabeth, often called Sisi. She was married to Kaiser Franz Josef, Emperor of Austria, and the leader of the Habsburg dynasty until World War I. The statue has been here for decades, and every time I see it, more of it has been chipped away. Which is strange, because she is a much beloved figure by the Austrians. Outside the Vespanhof, we find ourselves on Maria Helferstrasse, one of the great shopping streets in Vienna. Now, the first section is only for pedestrians, like many of the streets we're going to walk. But in olden days, cars used to scoot through here on their way to the Innenstadt, or the inner city. Very quickly, you notice that the architecture is old, hundreds of years old. But they have worked hard to keep Vienna a modern city. Some of the buildings have scaffolding up because they are cleaning the bricks that make up the facade. While they take great pride in their homes and businesses, they just can't keep up with a wear and tear, not to mention the usual grime from building up. We pass a building that has been painted in the royal yellow of so many Austrian structures, and notice the cornerstone has a date, 1766, carved into it. 1766. That's 10 years before the colonies made our Declaration of Independence and became the United States of America. That really puts a few things in perspective for us. We walk through the shopping district, and it doesn't take long to see familiar sights, like the Golden Arches. It just seems strange to see a 250-year-old building housing an American fast food joint. But that's the way of things, especially in a city as modern as Vienna. We pass a vendor selling something that smells amazing. Closer inspection shows that he is roasting almonds and chestnuts. It's not that I'm not hungry. But we are saving our appetites for something else. Something I've missed more than some family members. I'll tell you when we get there. Uh, Still, the smell of roasting nuts reminds me of that verse. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Maria Helferstrasse travels downhill towards the inner city. Now, the first street we reach with traffic is Getreidemarkt, the street I stayed on 
and where my friends still live. <laughs> As we pass the building where their flat is, I can almost smell the curry that they frequently eat. I'll visit them when we've finished our walk. After a block, we cross the street and walk down a quieter street. I wanted to take this detour because another of my favorite places used to be here. It was a cafe that had no name. There was no sign out front, just eight steps down to the basement with a blue wall on each side. We called it the Blue Cafe. And I probably spent half my evenings there when I lived in Vienna. The walls were old bricks covered in plaster maybe a hundred years ago. Some of it had cracked off. It, it looked like somebody had smacked it with a bowling ball to put a hole in the plaster. And then they painted over it to make it match. <laughs> now the furniture was mismatched. There were no two chairs in the whole place that were the same. The tables were whatever they could find. A couple of them needed folded napkins under a leg to keep it from wobbling. Now, you might think it sounds like a dump, but it was a great place. And I loved going there with my friends. Sometimes we'd bring our risk board and play a cutthroat game of world conquest. Sometimes we'd just talk about politics or what we'd heard in church that week. There were some deep theological discussions that took place in that cafe over Melange or Espresso. Melange. Mm. Melange is a popular coffee in Vienna. You can get it anywhere. It's similar to our cappuccino, half coffee, half steamed milk, and it has a healthy dollop of milk foam. I've had it in dozens of cafes in the city, but the Blue Cafe was our place. I had heard that it had closed, so I'm not surprised to see the large, heavy wooden doors closed and locked. Uh, it's still around, only in my memory. We head another block and a half and arrive at Opernring. Opernring is part of the Ringstrasse, a beautiful tree-lined boulevard that circles the inner city of Vienna. Until 1865, the city walls were built on this space. Now it's a busy motorway that winds around the first district. The Opernring is named that because the Stadtopera, the city opera building, is on that stretch of road. Now, today we look at the opera and think it's a magnificent building. But when it was built in the 1860s, there were mixed feelings about it. Some people thought it looked like a, a bullfrog sinking into the terrain. Others compared it to the Opera Populaire in Paris for how grand and beautiful it was. The building is the brown stone that so many of these classical buildings are made from. Standing next to it makes you feel... small. It truly is a huge structure. Inside, it holds one of the finest, 
and largest stages in Europe. And the marble portions of the lobby and staircases are some of the most beautiful architecture I've ever seen. Only one place I've seen even compares, and we'll be walking past that in a little while. As we walk in the shade of the opera, I think about music. It's hard not to think about music in Vienna. It's the city of music. So many famous composers lived here, and many of their names are household words for us. Ludwig van Beethoven, Johann Sebastian Bach, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. His name, Amadeus, means gift from God. The Strauss family, who popularized Vienna's most famous indigenous music, the waltz, called Wien their home. You literally cannot move throughout this city without seeing reminders of the musical heritage. Music is a gift from God. It always has been, and it's one of the ways that we lift praises to Him. As early as Genesis 4, we see the mention of a great musician, probably the first great musician. Genesis 4.21 says, His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Now, we know that King David wrote many, many songs. Some of them were meant to soothe the tormented mind of King Saul. But some of them were just designed to praise God. So many of them point to the goodness of our Lord and tell us we are right to trust Him. Some of them are simply about music and singing. In Psalm 57, 7, David speaks from his heart when he says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. In Psalm 95, 2, he tells us a proper way to approach our Lord. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 101, verse 1, another psalm of David, tells us how the king of Israel praised Adonai. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. Oh, Lord, thank you for the gift of music. We know not everybody seeks to serve you with their musical talent, but we know that we should praise you with song. You have blessed us. Let us return that gift to you. In the plaza outside the opera, men dressed in period outfits and powdered wigs sell discounted tickets for the performances. They're a cool reminder of the history that is reenacted on that stage. Before we take a walk down Kärtnerstrasse, another great 
pedestrian shopping area, I want you to follow me to one of the places I love best in this city. We walk behind the opera towards the Albertina Platz. On our right side, across the street, is the famous hotel and cafe, Sacher. If you want to stay in a classic, expensive Viennese hotel, this is exactly the place. It was even featured in the Orson Welles movie, The Third Man. The best known thing about the Sacher Cafe has to be the famous Sacher Tort, a rich but dry chocolate cake with an apricot jam between two layers and coated with a dark chocolate shell. If you've never had it, you should probably try it at least once. I'm definitely willing to pass it up for what we see right in front of us. It's the Bitburger Verstelstand, the place to get the best bratwurst and sausages in Austria, maybe even all of Europe. Ah, yes. (laughs) He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. We cross the wet cobblestone to get to this very modern-looking building, which is only big enough to hold two employees. It's gotten a facelift since the last time I was here, too. And I can't figure out why there's a large ceramic bunny on the roof. Honestly, I'm not here to admire the building. I've passed up on any number of delicacies while I held off for the mouth-watering delights that I get right here. It's called Kezakreina, and it is one of the ways I can be reminded that God loves us and delights to give us good things. Kezakreina is a high-quality sausage with cheese inside it. Keza means cheese, so there you go. Now, you might be thinking, so what? I can head over to my local grocery store and get a sausage with cheese in it. But, no, it's not the same. It never will be the same. Here, you order a bratwurst or kezakrina, and they take it off the grill right in front of you. They slice it into thick coins, slide it onto a cardboard plate with a slice of rye bread and a bit of mustard and or ketchup. Then you eat it with a tiny wooden fork. Hmm. You know, I don't care where you get street food. There's nothing better than the Bitburger Verstelstand in Vienna, Austria. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. I thank you for revealing yourself in so many ways. Music, even food. Please bless this food. As always, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, let's get back to walking. Because I'm going to need to walk the Kezakrina off. We head back to Kertnerstrasse and turn into the shopping area. On our right side, there are high-end businesses and the Vienna Casino. I was never rich enough to go in there, but it sure seems busy when I walk past it. Yet, at the same time, the locals seem to hurry past as well. 
So, maybe I don't look strange not going in. The pedestrian area is so neat and clean and welcoming. The path changed from cobblestone to smooth, large bricks so organically, I didn't even notice. The walkway is so even and new that you could push a stroller or a wheelchair without waking up your rider. A few steps further and we come upon our first busker, a street musician playing a violin for whatever change people will give him. He's young enough to be a student, but good enough to be part of an orchestra. Let's stop and listen for a moment before we move along. I think his plane is worth a few coins, whatever I have loose in my pocket. Guys like this are part of the reason I think Vienna is an amazing city to walk in. Vienna is made for walkers like us, not auto traffic. I mean, I can't imagine driving through this area and not taking in the feast for every sense whether it's the crystal swan in the Swarovski store or the smell of coffee that hangs in the air of this amazing place. Now, since I came back to the United States permanently, I don't drink as much coffee as I did when I was in Vienna. And I'll tell you why. In many countries, the coffee culture is based on chain cafes. In Vienna, coffee is the culture. I think the Viennese invented the leisure class, and coffee was a huge part of that. I want to take you to a place that, to me, is the ultimate Vienna cafe experience, and it's just around the corner from where we are. Cafe Helvica is on Dorothea Gassa, a small back street off the busier pedestrian area called the Graben. I'll tell you more about that after we have a little refreshment. You can ask a hundred different people or do a Google search and you'll get a hundred different dates for when Cafe Havoka opened. Anywhere between 1936 and 1945. The one thing I can tell you for sure is that Leopold Havelka, the iconic proprietor of this place, passed away in 2012 at the sprightly age of 100. I can assure you he remained youthful and energetic and truly kind to his guests. We passed through the dark wood doors with inviting windows into another time. We really feel that we have been transported back in time when we enter Café Havoka. The 21st century melts away and we can easily pretend it's anywhere between the 1880s and the 1920s. The room is dark, the chairs are wooden, the booths are padded with beautiful satin coverings. We take a seat in a booth and settle back. We're not in a hurry, and neither is anybody else. If we want to, 
We can sit here all afternoon and evening for the price of a melange. We can sit and read a newspaper, which the cafes provide, for as long as we want. It's not hard to imagine artists and pseudo-intellectuals sitting here for hours and creating plots to take over nations. When you mix time and coffee, you come up with all kinds of ideas. But we're not here to think grand ideas. We're here to enjoy a treat and the atmosphere and maybe do a little people watching. Maybe you noticed the middle-aged couple in the corner who look like they've been sitting there for the last 20 years. They haven't spoken a word to each other since they sat down. He's been reading a newspaper, and she's been staring out the window. I like the way he smiles at her as he turns the page every few minutes. She raises an eyebrow and smiles from the corner of her mouth. Clearly, they're fond of each other, but... They don't want to show the world. They have their own language. They're not like the young couple at the table close by. They are holding hands and leaning close to each other, smiling and talking in happy whispers. If I had to guess, I'd say they're in love. And Vienna is a great city in which to be in love. Two other women are at a table near the windows, talking like sisters or best friends. We don't eavesdrop, and I don't know if I could keep up with what they're saying even if I did. So I pretend that they're telling each other how much they love their grandchildren and what a good time they had taking a holiday in Romania. One thing I have to tell you about that is very different from the old days. Nobody smokes in the cafes and restaurants anymore. There's still a a lingering aroma in the upholstery and carpeting from decades of tobacco smoke. But that cloud that used to hover just below the ceiling, like a rain cloud, has been replaced with gloriously fresh air. In the old days, Leopold Havelka would glide up to your table with his spotless, long-sleeve white shirt and black vest, a full head of silver hair. He would welcome you and take your order. Today, it's a younger guy who may or may not be Leopold's family. He definitely learned from the best, and before we know it, he is back with our order, Melange and Apfelstrudel, or Applestrudel. The strudel is served with a sprinkling of powdered sugar. The smell of cinnamon and apple is so strong that you'd swear it came from a a candle. That's how fresh the dessert is. And it tastes amazing. Oh, there's that verse again. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. I thank God for his great gifts. We walk back into the Graben, the pedestrian shopping area. Everywhere I look, I see new signs for American restaurants, uh, Gucci, Omega watches, whatever you want. You can find it here. 
the Graben is a welcome area where the restaurants and cafes seem to explode into the walking area, covering a portion of it with tables, chairs, and customers. I love eating outside at these places, and clearly I'm not alone. Another busker is playing a saxophone. Uh, I gave all my coins to the guy with the violin, so let's hurry past. While the Graben is a friendly area, full of fun and life now, it wasn't always that way. In centuries past, it was not a place you wanted to end up. Graben means gutter, and that's exactly what it was. And as nice as it is now, we're going to walk through it and make our way toward the final destination of our walk. We turn down Kolmart and immediately see a domed building ahead of us, about a hundred yards. We walk towards it, moving through what seems like a gauntlet of cafes in Bakarai, where the fresh desserts and loaves of bread try to suck you in and tempt you to eat them. We pass them all, along with the Italian ice vendor, and arrive in Michaelerplatz, just outside that domed building. The building is the Hofburg, the royal palace of the Habsburgs, the rulers of the Austro-Hungarian Empire until World War I. With all the history in Vienna, it shouldn't be amazing that they discovered Roman ruins in the courtyard outside this entrance to the palace. But it is amazing, and they are pretty cool. Kaiser Franz Josef, the last ruler of the dynasty, had no idea, as he looked out of his office window, that more than 2,000 years of history was just under his feet. St. Michael's Gate, the entrance to the Hofburg, is a pedestrian walkway that thousands of people are welcome to use every day. Far from being a palace that is closed off to the public, it is an enormous government building that serves as a gateway to another section of the town. We are still within the first district, inside the Ringstrasse, but this walkway leads to a beautiful, grassy park where people gather to rest, picnic, sleep, or play games. It's also a spot where you can hire a horse and carriage for a delightful turn around the city of music. I'd rather walk. The portion of the Hofburg that we're walking by now is called the Neuburg. Neu because it is the newer section of the palace. Its white, semicircular facade includes dozens of columns and an elevated walkway that has been used in many films, even films that don't take place in Vienna. We move on past the Neuburg to find ourselves at the Ringstrasse again, only about 200 meters from where we crossed it near the opera. This section is called Burgering. On the other side is the last place we'll be stopping before I leave you for today. Now, we haven't been to any today, 
But Vienna really is a city filled with beautiful parks, boasting well-maintained lawns and topiary. After crossing the Ringstrasse, we find ourselves in one of the more ornate gardens in the city. Spires of bushes stretch to the sky in well-designed patterns, all surrounding a statue of Maria Teresa, beloved ruler from the 19th century. If the gardens weren't beautiful enough, two buildings line the sides of the park. These are the Art History Museum and the Natural History Museum. Built between 1870 and 1891, these two buildings really are magnificent. The outside of the buildings have a classic, ornate look, but it's inside where they're really breathtaking. Earlier, I mentioned the marble at the opera. This place is built from this stuff. The stairs, the floor, the columns, the statues. Ugh, strikingly beautiful. The domes are a vision of Baroque architecture. And then there's the artwork. You wouldn't believe the paintings and statues they have inside. Now, we're standing here in the capital of what was a mighty empire. And now is a beautiful city dwelling on its history. Only a fraction of the empire it once was. There are lots of reasons that Austria may have lost its place in the world powers. But in the end, it's all up to God. He has his reasons for doing what he does. God has a lot to say about mighty nations, but the verse we always need to remember is found in John 16, 33. These are the words of Jesus, and they bring me comfort and peace all the time. He said, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Even as we stand here between the museums in this lovely garden that is a memorial to what was a powerful empire, we can remember that because we are followers of Jesus, we can know true peace. Listen to the verse from Psalms 107. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Walking in Vienna reminds me of that. And it also reminds me of the words of David in the 23rd Psalm. He restores my soul. Mm. Okay, we've walked a few miles tonight, and it's time to let you go. Before we head out, let me say a quick prayer for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time I could spend with my friend 
and thank you for this walk through such a fun city. I thank you for the beauty which comes from you. I thank you for the music which is also a gift from you. And I thank you for rest which the Bible tells us you created. Give my friend a blessed night of sleep and prepare them for the day ahead. Help them to remember that you have overcome the world and there is no reason for anxiety or stress. Give them the peace that passes understanding. Give them a good night's sleep. I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good night, my friend. I hope you'll take more walks with me sometime soon.